Hello and welcome back to the show. So I am super excited to have my guest Joe join me today and talk all about social media and search engine marketing for business owners. So Joe and his partner John started uh, their business in moving traffic media, and they have been you know really taking off like a rocket ship as a company recently. So I'm super excited to not just talk about you know your story, Joe, and have you share kind of how this started but also have you come on and share some of the tips that you've uh, learned and you've been able to help other business owners with their social media and search engine marketing as well. So without further ado, Joe, I want to welcome you to the show. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm excited to have you here. And uh, before we dig in, um, would you mind just kind of sharing your story a little bit and uh, telling us, you know, how you got to this point. I know you guys have a pretty interesting story, so I can't wait to kind of hear it from the uh, from the source. Yeah, and I'll try to give you through the the lens of real estate too, because that's that's really how it all started. Um, you mentioned my partner John. He and I have been working together for about fifteen years. Um, we worked together at a big global digital agency. We worked together for about 10 years at this agency and we sat next to each other. We were servicing some of the same clients and we became really good friends working for this other company. And we would often like go have lunch together. This is in New York City too. So, you know, we would just like walk to a park, get lunch, whatever. And um, we learned that each of us was really interested in real estate. So, you know, it was, I had bought my first like two family house and he had bought a he had two condos at the time. So we really clicked. We're like, um, you know, we, we thought like real estate investing was going to be how we would, you know, make a living And the digital marketing that we were doing day to day was just, um, it was interesting, but probably not how we were going to like build wealth over time. So um, yeah, real estate was what brought the two of us together. So we worked together for this firm for about 10 years. And then we both left the full-time job to start our own agency, which is moving traffic media. And this agency just hit its five-year anniversary a couple of weeks ago. So it's been a good five years. Um, and I, I try to tie that back in because we've got a couple dozen clients now and about half of them are real estate or real estate adjacent type um, industries. So it is a, it's an industry that he and I are really comfortable with that we're pretty passionate about. We've got skin in the game with our own rental properties and um, it's been interesting and it keeps it interesting too, because it's a, it's an industry that we both really enjoy working in. Yeah, no, absolutely. So that's really interesting that you guys were, uh, you know, basically working uh, kind of as, you know, side by side, almost like, you know, cubicle next to the other cubicle yep, kind exactly. of deal, right? Yeah. That's really exactly how it was. Yeah, no, we shared a cubicle. It was a tiny Manhattan office space. It was a big Manhattan office space. John and I had a very tiny cubicle. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, but that's, that's really cool. So that's how you met your business partner. And yeah. Um, basically, you guys just kind of started out on your own and, you know, started your own company. So, I mean, for a lot of people, that's, um, you know, whether if they're, you know, listening as an individual agent and maybe they're thinking about starting their own team or their own brokerage, that could be, you know, they could be in a similar position that you guys were in. So, you know, what was that kind of like as far as, you know, the decision and the journey moving through that? Yeah, so the decision was, it, it was a hard and it took a long time to make the decision. but. I, you know, John and I both knew that it was eventually the path we would take. Um, it took, you know, we decided to do it at different times. So maybe I'll, I'll 
give you that story too. But we we quit at diff- we quit our full time jobs at different times, and we each tried to build our own agency separately for a while, less than a year. And um, I have a specialty, and he has a specialty. They're both in digital marketing, but they're different enough where we were calling on each other for advice and and help in like pitching business opportunities. So this is back in 2017. Like he had a great lead that he wanted my help pitching. And I had a great lead that I needed his help pitching. This is in with like two months. I helped him pitch a piece of business. We won it. So, you know, we worked under the company name that he created. Like we were creating all these presentations and deliverables with his brand and colors. And then we pitched together under my company's name. And we were servicing that client together under my brand's name and my colors. And then in less than a year, we're like, this is stupid. Like, let's just come together and um, it'll just, we'll save each other time if we just operate under one kind of logo. Um, So we, you know, created, we had a lawyer create a, like a partnership agreement that was five years ago. We signed it, haven't looked at it since because it's been a really easy partnership. Wow. That's awesome. So it's like when you guys first started, uh, you know, you guys had your own companies, right? So that you, you each had your own independent companies and then because, you know, when you get clients coming in, you know, they want different things. So at, at a certain point, you guys are just both doing so well, you kind of just combined and, you know, your clients now just get the best of both worlds. So that's yeah. actually really cool. You know, what we thought and the fear in the beginning was our backgrounds were so similar and our professional networks were so similar that like we wouldn't, we wouldn't be different enough to like, um, you know, you help, you know, when you have two different personalities, like some people are good at some things, some are, are good at others. And we thought, man, we are just too similar. We're too good of friends. Our experience is similar. Our networks are similar. Like we're not, maybe this partnership isn't, isn't going to flourish because we're so similar. And after the years, we've just found out like there are things I like to do that he doesn't, things that I'm good at that he isn't. So like the longer we've learned to work together, the more we've learned like what types of things to give each other. So it's been a good partnership. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, a lot of people, I think when they you know, hear this story, they're going to think, you know, wow, you know, starting a business, it's, you know, five years in, you guys are doing well and, uh, you know, still taking off, right? You're, you're on podcasts, you're getting out there. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think, you know, for a lot of, you know, a lot of listeners, what they want to know is, you know, what were some of the challenges and struggles that you guys uh, first had? Because, I, you know, obviously you guys are doing well, but, you know, I'm sure there has been, you know, I guess like some setbacks or at least little obstacles that you have to kind of push through. So what were that kind of like? Well, I guess I'll start like we were both about 10 years into our career. So it wasn't like we, we were starting from nothing. We had pretty big professional networks. At that point, we both had a couple of real estate properties that could bring a little money in while we weren't working and like while we were trying to build something. Um, we're both married, so our spouses both work and that helped too. So just, you know, there were things that were in place before, you know, we decided to quit our jobs and start start our own thing. But I would say like the challenge, the first challenge is fi- like finding some clients. Um, and I and the first two clients that hired us were within our professional networks. They were people who had worked with us before in some capacity, either they were a client or an old colleague. Um, so it was it was our network that has made, a, it still is our professional network that's made us successful. We've, we've made a lot, we've made a lot of good relationships 
And we kind of have this philosophy with like everyone we work to, everyone we talk to, we got to assume that there is a, you know, reality in the short term where we may get to work with them again in some other capacity. So we try to treat everybody really fair and with respect and do our best job um, with everyone we get to work with. Because it's like, it's really about like real estate, I'm sure it's all about referrals in the, in the digital marketing consulting business. Right. So I didn't, I didn't know that. So for digital marketing consultant, uh, what you guys are doing is, as far as getting new business, especially in the beginning is actually a lot based on, uh, based on referrals as well. Yeah. So I, I, different digital agencies can have a different approach to lead generation. Um, we have a, we want long-term clients who sign like full year retainers with us. We don't do like project-based work. So we're not, we're not out there hunting for a, a new piece of business every day. We kind of, we, we, you know, we hold on to relationships as long as we can. We try to like build teams in place to support the clients so that like we become an extension of their team. Most of our clients, um, just stick with us year after year because of we work so hard to keep the relationship strong. Some other, I would think like maybe small, we're, we're not a big agency, but like smaller agencies just getting started or creative agencies, the agencies that like build websites, that's more project-based where those digital agency owners have to kind of hunt for work all the time. But our business is, it's um, like I said, it's like 12 month retainers. We sell a couple of services and we just service year round. So we only, we, we couldn't, we can't take a new client every month. We can only take, you know, you know, maybe a handful of clients every year because we have to build the team to support new business. So you mentioned one of the challenges I said, the first is like finding clients initially. And the second is like having the right team in place at all times. So it's like this like weekly conversation that my partner and I have to have, like with the business that we have and the staff that we have, are we allocated correctly to each piece of business? Are we giving some clients too much time? Are we giving some clients not enough time? Or is everyone on the team like challenged do they have enough support? Do they have the resources they need to be successful? These are the weekly conversations that my partner and I have to make sure we're, we're servicing our clients the best we can. Right. Yeah. And do you think that, you know, finding the right team might have been, you know, maybe the, I guess, like, not, not the most challenging, but maybe the thing as far as aspects of building your new business that was, uh, that was something that you, you know, didn't know before or something that you had to learn uh or what, what was that if it wasn't yeah that i had never been in charge of recruiting so that was a, a new like skill i had to learn um you know using websites like zip recruiter and indeed and linkedin to find interested applicants so the first surprise i had was like there's way more every time we have an open job we post it on these platforms and the the surprise to me was like the amount of interest so we would get hundreds and thousands of applications, but we have a pretty unique, um, maybe it's not, you, you know, our, our services are search marketing, social media, display advertising. So it's, I mean, there's a lot of people who do those things, but we have, you know, our approach is a little bit different. Um, so we've had a tough time, like finding people who fit into the way we like to do business. So we would see, you know, 300 applications, maybe 
five of them we would call back for a, like a quick qualifier phone call to say like, do you really have the experience it says you do on your resume? And of the five, there'd maybe be one who we'd schedule a longer term interview with. So it's been tough. Recruiting is one of the is one of the biggest challenges that we still face today. I mean, the labor market's weird today anyway, so we're not the only company who's like challenged by this, but um, it is still a big challenge. I think like, um, I, I hope it goes away, but like learning how to be a good recruiter for the company, it's hugely time consuming and um, only rewarding when it works out. Like it, it doesn't work out as often as it does work out. So um, it can be, it can be, um, it sucks sometimes. Right. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, when you're building a business, right, that might be, I think for a lot of people, the hardest aspect is recruiting and finding the right people to kind of represent your, your brand, right. Represent your company. Yeah. You want to start with trust because you got to give, you have to give people freedom to, to do the work without a ton of oversight work. We, right. since the, the pandemic, we've been full-time remote too. So we used to have an, an office near, um, you know, like 15 miles just north of Grand Central, like 20 minute train ride into, in, into Grand Central. But then like 2020 came and like we, we finished out our lease and didn't resign the lease. And we've been a hundred percent remote since then. So it, it, the one thing, like we've been able to look at a talent pool nationwide, which we weren't doing prior to the pandemic. So that's been awesome, but we've had to adjust to becoming a full-time remote workplace. Um, so there's some challenges there, but I would, I would say it's mostly worked out in our benefit because of the larger talent pool. Awesome. So I, I'm really glad you brought that point up, actually, because I think a lot of people are wondering, you know, what is the effects of kind of going from a brick and mortar, you know, type of business to going fully remote? You know, you mentioned that one of the positives was that instead of, you know, only being able to work with a, uh, you know, local talent pool, you now have a global market share of talent pool to work with which is a huge benefit. But what about, you know, productivity? Have you seen um, any upticks or kind of like declines in productivity? What are some things that you've seen as far as how that's, how you guys are adjusting to being full-time remote? You know, how, how's the, how's that kind of working out aside yeah. from just the talent pool side? I, the, the things that I can measure have all gotten better. The things that I can't measure I, I struggle to understand, would we be better in person or not? So the things that we can measure, like productivity, um, it's gotten way better. I think like nobody's commuting, nobody has to dress up, put makeup on, like there's hours more in everyone's day where they get back to themselves. You know, and we do a lot of, we're a really collaborative team. We do a lot of Zoom, almost every day we're on Zoom with each other. Um, so productivity has gotten way better and that has allowed us not to, to probably do more with, with the similar, similar number of employees. Um, the things we can't measure is like the culture. Like we, we like it's, I think we still, I, I feel we still have a really strong culture, um, but it's all, it's all through like phone call and video. We get together, one, we fly everyone to New York once a year. We've been doing that the last couple of years. And that's like the funnest week of my work year. Um, but like building a culture around seeing each other once a year has been tough. So um, we, have to, we have to work really hard at like trying to build the cu culture over um, Zooms basically. It's not impossible, but I think it's, 
it would would be easier for me to have to be in person um just because that's like my professional experience so i kind of like i know how to do that when you're in person i didn't know how to do it over zoom but we're doing it you know it's we're, we're doing it and what was the other thing so like collaboration so here's here's this is tough to measure but i've certainly observed it um a lot of what we do is the same over and over you do search engine you know, we do search engine optimization. So we do SEO for clients. And um, there are a handful of deliverables that we try to do in every 12 month engagement. It's like a technical audit, your keyword research. Um, you know, there's some content audits, there's some link audits, and these audits come with recommendations. There's things that we do over and over that we get really good and fast at. But often there are things that we've never done before and we have to figure out how to do them together so collaborating on something some kind of um task or um re request from a client that we've never done before that's a little bit harder over zoom than when we were all together in a whiteboard like it's just a little bit different so collaboration i think has become a little bit harder but it's like few and far in between when those scenarios come up culture a little bit harder but i think we're doing the best we can with it and then i, I guess the, maybe the last part of it is like um like the mentoring and coaching so we have um we have like a you know if you move your way up within our organization we kind of have this the entry it's not it's like maybe a college graduate but um, someone, someone with a college degree who is like shown an interest in social media or search engine marketing, or you know one of the services we offer, we have a base, base like title. It's analyst, media analyst, and then above that, it's media specialist, and then media strategist, then director. So you can move your way up. You can you can move your way up, but you've got to like, you've got to be coached. You've got to fig. You've got to like learn how to do things the way we do them. Um, figure out how to interact with tough clients, um, learn how to lead a room, like lead a presentation. Like these are the things you have to do. It takes experience, um, but it's it's the coaching along the way that makes you better and better. And, um, you know, we've only been fully remote for, you know, two and a half years now. And I think we're doing fine because we're not a huge company. We're only a dozen people, but um, I, I would guess scaling the company if we want to continue to do this the way we think we can do it scaling might be a challenge in the future um, not having people together more often yeah so that's really interesting as, as far as the perspective that you can offer on this because i think a lot of people are thinking you know do they move you know with smaller businesses in you know medium sized businesses even you know do they go fully remote you know do they stay fully remote Right. And it's kind of just understanding that there's not necessarily, you know, any business that can be like a hundred percent remote, right? Even when you guys are doing, you guys are flying people out, you know, once a year and you guys are having a great time to kind of, you know, build the culture and, you know, have everybody kind of meet each other and, you know, get to know each other better. So it's really interesting to kind of see how the dynamics works between, you know, remote work is being able to increase productivity but there's a lot of the intangibles that you can actually put in um, as far as, um, you know, collaboration, culture, the coaching and mentorship um, that, you know, being just a hundred percent fully remote might not be uh, the best for. Yeah. And like, and you have to balance the two, right? So if we were, if we were like really excelling at culture and coaching and 
and and failing at productivity, like maybe the decision would be, we, maybe we should be remote more often. Like, so right. like we're still finding that balance. Right, absolutely. And I, I like that, right? Just finding the balance and kind of seeing, you know, how you can integrate both of, you know, both aspects into your business. So that way, you know, like we, just like you and your, your business partner are coming together, right? It's like having the best of both worlds, except in this case is for the, for the company. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you mentioned that one of the things you guys do, um, or as far as, you know, kind of your services go, what you guys do for your clients is search engine marketing, which is awesome. <laughs> Social media marketing and also display marketing. So when you mentioned display marketing, is this more so just want to be sure outside billboard advertising? No, all digital. All, that's all we do is digital. We're, um, we're mostly media buyers with the exception of the SEO service. The rest, well, well, the, the SEO service and some of our social media strategy services, the rest is like media buying. So we're advertising buyers. And when we talk about display advertising, it's a catch-all category for really anything graphical. So you might think about like um, a, a banner ad on a website or a 15-second video before a YouTube um you know, some YouTube content, right. that stuff we call display because it's imagery. Got it. Yeah. So that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, I think a lot of people, when they hear it, they think, you know, billboards and kind of, you know, for realtors bench, right. Benches yeah. and yeah. Uh, the uh, bus signs and different things like that. So that's really cool. Um, as far as kind of like what you can see, as far as, you know, the clients that you're working with and some of the things that you guys are doing, you know, out of the three, right, which one is probably the easiest to kind of in, put in place uh, in the beginning and which one is the most effective long term overall? Oh, wow. I love this question. So I, the, the easiest, the, the best long term investment will tell every client is with SEO. If you can invest in your website, you know, you you benefit from that over time and in the future, but it takes a while. You put you put in some hard months of developing content, fixing technical errors on your website, and you hope within six months, you start to see traffic build and you keep making tweaks, you keep making um, more content to publish on your website, your blog or whatever, um, and you start to see more and more traffic. And if, that's the, if those are the right people coming to your website, you'll see um, conversion volume or leads increase too. So it's the best long-term investment you can make, but it does take a while. So like the, the immediate thing, um, what clients find easiest, the, the two things, depending on the business, would be paid search. You know, you, yeah. you bid on keyword, like the, the beauty of paid search is like, you know exactly what people are looking for, new home in Houston. Like if you have new homes in Houston to sell, you want to try to consider entering those auctions and seeing how your ad holds up with the rest of the people in the in market. Um, paid social is the other piece. So if you if you've spent a lot of time um, developing content for your social media profile and you've got a robust profile, maybe not a huge um, you know group of followers, but if you've got a good social presence. Um, promoting some of your posts. So if you spend a lot of time with your organic posts, um, but they're not getting the reach because you only have a thousand followers and those people aren't engaging with your posts as much, promote you promote those organic posts. I think that's one of the easiest things um, for new clients to try. It's not very expensive. 
Um, you can make a kind of a post by post decision on how much you're willing to spend, how far you want to try to expand your reach from that message. So I hope that answered the question. I feel like I could talk about this for a full hour. So I want to be careful with how I respond. <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. I, you definitely did. And, and I think it makes a lot of sense because, and there's, I'm learning a lot through it as well. So I think for, you mentioned uh, social media, right? So as far as the easiest one to kind of get people started. And if somebody is spending a lot of time as far as, you know, on their social media profile, but doesn't necessarily have a big presence and followers, they can boost their posts. And the yes. one that I kind of really think about is there are a lot of people out there with little or no social media presence at all. And, you know, maybe they just started their profile and they, you know, have one post up and it doesn't look really good and they want to do paid ads on social media. Do you suggest somebody do that or would you suggest somebody kind of go in there and build their social media profiles up a little bit, get yep. their presence up and then do the paid ads or yep, it's just exactly you, you, um, a, a robust social profile builds trust with someone who doesn't know you. So if you, you know, you create a company profile on Facebook and, um, before you provide any content to the, who you think your target audience is, you just start to like sponsor ads, like putting money behind a profile that is um, not reassuring to someone who doesn't know you. Like, think about it. If you, you know, if you, you have to build trust and, and, you know, I guess it's a little bit different for every industry, but I'm just thinking about try to keep it relevant for the real estate audience. Um, if you've got a great house, if you're an agent with a great house to sell, like you want to, you want to let people know who may be interested. And if you're going to use social media, you've got to kind of position yourself as a trusted source for this prospect. You can't do that with an empty profile. I would suggest like try to get 10 good posts on there over a couple of months as a starting point. Yeah, that's absolutely a great point that you just made. Cause I think a lot of new agents come into the industry and maybe they have a, a little bit of money or a, a good, uh, you know, marketing budget. And the first thing, cause paid ads are, are pretty, like they're pretty popular within the real estate industry. As far as the strategy goes, I think a lot of people teach it. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of the paid, you know, a lot of the built-in services for a lot of the websites are paid ad services for Facebook ads. Um, and they just come into the industry and they're like, I want to run paid ads. And I, you look at their social media profile and it doesn't exist. And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, that's not, necessarily how paid ads work. So I'm really glad that you kind of offered that perspective is that you need to build out your profile first, yeah. build that credibility. And then the ads are just to basically get new followers, get, get in so front of a new audience. We, we do, I mentioned like, we don't take a lot of, we don't take a lot of project work, but for some existing clients, we'll do like a social media audit. And what it's a, like a 12 month review of everything that they've posted. And we kind of critique it to say, you know, we, we say like, you know, you posted a hundred times in the last 12 months, we've kind of, we can split the hundred posts into these types of categories. Like this one, you're trying to speak to a real estate agent. This one, you're trying to speak to a first time home buyer. This time you're, you know, you try to just say like, here are the, seems like here are the two or three audiences that you're interested in. Here's how we're categorizing the posts that you're um, publishing to reach these audiences. This type of language works well with this audience. This is producing good engagement with that audience. So that's a, like an audit of 
the client's profile. And then we take five of their competitors and do the same thing. Say, here's what you can learn, what you should and shouldn't do based on what your, what your competitive set is doing. So those things, like the typical, I guess not typical, but in the last two that I've been involved in, more often the advice that I'm giving is you're posting way too much and the quality needs to be better. So you spend a lot of time creating content that people aren't engaging with. It's, it's like wasted time. So you could be doing less if you could um, produce something that's more engaging. So for real estate, like how do, you, how do you develop some content that's helpful for who you think your audience is? If it's, if it's a first time home buyer or someone trying to sell a home or you're just interested in people moving from condo to single family home, you, got, you find your audience and you try to produce content that um, they'll want to engage, that maybe that will help them learn something. It's a good way to build trust. Yep, absolutely. So quality over just sheer quantity of posts is yeah. always going to help as far as, you know, the engagement goes. I think that's a big piece of just social social media marketing is a lot of people just want to know how many times they need to be posting a week, but not yeah. necessarily yeah. what you know, what to post, if that makes sense. I, and I gave that, as soon as I gave that advice of, um, if you want to start advertising on a new pro profile, try to get 10 posts, try to get at least 10 posts over a couple of months. It's so hard to give that advice because every company and industry is a little bit different, but um, you got to start somewhere, right? So you, tr you try to try to start somewhere and then you kind of like test to see what's working with your audience and what isn't. Right, absolutely. So just kind of like, just jumping topics or I guess like, you know, jumping, you know, transitioning through topics a little bit here. You mentioned uh, search engine optimization, right? Investing your, your search engine. That's probably one of the best ways as far as long-term, uh, long-term investments for your digital presence. Yeah. Um, the big piece that I kind of have, I was struggled with, with uh, search engine marketing is the, you know, the metrics to track, right? So it's it's really important to kind of have that presence out there. But a, a lot of times I've kind of found that it's it's difficult to know what are the right metrics to track and kind of like the average timeline that you should be tracking them on. So do you mind just kind of offering a little bit yeah, of the insights of that? Yes, that's one of my, you're hitting up all of my favorite things to talk about. So search engine marketing, we kind of think about in two, two ways or opposite sides of a, a scale or a spectrum. On one side, it's paid search. This is the thing you can launch an ad and promote your website within an hour. SEO, search engine optimization, is on the other side of the search engine marketing spectrum where it's an investment over time. So you asked specifically about search engine optimization. So to optimize your website for or get to become right. um, listed in organic results. I mean, the bottom line for your business is to generate a lead, right? Mm -hmm. yep. That's the most, that's the most important metric. Like that, that's what you want to be measuring first and foremost. You'll, there are other metrics like organic traffic, um, views to different pages are important, but you want, really want to understand like, where's the lead coming from? If you have a, um, you know, you have like a contact form on your website. If you're, if you're trying to generate leads through your website, um, you'll have a contact form, you'll have a contact page, but maybe on your homepage, you have a button that opens a form too. So you can have this contact me form on every page. You, 
probably should have it on every page to make it easy for people to um, become a lead. Like don't, don't put a barrier in front of someone becoming a lead. If that is success for you, that's the most important metric. But you try to understand what's driving the lead. Um, so what page is it coming from? That's the first. So page views and then um, leads by page view. It's important thing to look at. So you see which pages are doing well and you try to spend more time on that page, expanding the content a little, maybe making the page a little bit faster because those are signals that a search engine will um, take into consideration on how, how high or low in a search engine result that you'll be. Um, What's the other one? I'm talking too fast. I'm losing my uh, train of thought. Um, I don't. I'll move on. Maybe it'll come back to me. There's uh, no metrics. So you so page you and keyword. So this is another. If you're it, so people are probably using free analytics tools like Google Analytics or Google Search Console. These are free tools that any website can. You put a little piece of code on the website and try to learn more about the traffic that's coming into the website. You want to learn what keywords your, your site is ranking for and which of those keywords are generating leads. So you'll find, you know, you may, you may be focused on one keyword. I want to, I want my homepage to rank well for sell your condo in Houston. You know, maybe that's the phrase you're most interested in, but all the work you can do to try and rank for that one keyword term, you may end up ranking for a hundred others, not all that you're interested in, but it's important to, to, to understand what you're already ranking for, see if there's some long tail opportunities in there that you can exploit. So if it's like um, one bedroom condo in Houston, like, wow, I wasn't targeting that, but wow, interesting that like Google thinks I'm relevant for that. So you can lean into it, you can build you can build uh, more content around it. You can write a blog about it and, and link it back to another page on your, on your website. So you have like this interlinking going on using keywords you didn't think were important, but you learned um, were important over time. So the keywords that are driving leads, the pages that are driving leads, but most importantly, it's leads. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm so glad you said that because I think, you know, a lot of times for SEO, people think about, you know, how do I get my, you know, my page up? you know, in the first page of Google, or how do I get my blog post in the first page of Google? And uh, the question I always try to ask myself before I, you know, even try to do that is, how is this article or how is this, you know, person that is searching for this specific keyword going to become a lead, right? How is this person becoming a lead? What is the connection there? Or is it just like a random page that you're kind of putting up there just to, you know, because there's a lot of relevant keywords that are low competition that you can get up there. But doesn't necessarily turn into a lead, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes complete sense. I think you can waste a lot of time producing content just because, you know, you built a content strategy that says, I'm going to, I'm going to put a thousand word blog out every week. And uh, it's a waste of time, unless you have a, like a set of target keywords you're focused on, you pick 10 or 15 keywords, like this is going to be, um, yeah, this is what I'm going to focus on for the year. Every blog, everything I do to my website, I'm going to try to make it relevant for this group of 10 or 15 keywords. So when you write a blog, um, how do I use words that are, that are related to my target keywords? Um, everything you should, it's tough for me to say everything, but most of what you should do with your content strategy through the lens of organic search optimization is supporting the target keyword. 
Right. Absolutely. Absolutely agree on that. Right. Cause it, it's such a long-term strategy that I think a lot of people just, you know, maybe they get tired of, you know, working on that one, one keyword or, you know, working on that kind of one strategy for a long time and not seeing the results. Uh, it's really, you know, I'm, I'm sure you would agree. It takes a lot of patience uh, for the SEO to kind of really start kicking in and start generating those leads and, and getting the metrics to actually track. And similar to social media, organic social media, the, the more quality, the better. So it's less about pumping things out once a week, but if you can put together a 2000 word blog, that's really helpful to someone trying to sell their condo or buy their first condo in Houston. If you know, wherever it is, your, whoever your audience is, right. go deep for them make something that's really engaging and like build some trust. Like they'll want to connect with you rather than I got to, I'm going to do three, 400 words every, you know, four or five days just to have volume on my blog. It's not, it's not as important as quality. You're, you're better off with a long form content, 2000 words, maybe um, and similar to social focus on quality over quantity and eventually it pays off. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Agree with that. So as far as search engine, uh, you know, kind of search engine optimization goes, you know, I think a lot of people are trying to just figure out what are some of the triggers for the search engine. So, you know, I, I know backlinks is, is a big one. I know that's probably the oldest one out there. Um, yeah. There's the on page, there's the off page. So from your kind of like, it's like professional opinion to, in today's kind of world, what do you see as kind of some of the triggers that are most important? And some that might not be as important as maybe before. Yeah, we we talk we we signals is what we call them. Like, what are the signals that a search engine feels are important um, on your website? And and mobile speed is becoming one of the top ones. Is your site loading fast on a mobile device? Um, you mentioned backlinks, though. That that was the first thing that um, you know that was that was how Google was. That's how right. Google became so. All right, so we won't. But yeah, backlinks are still important. It's a it's a signal of trust. The more people, if you're if you're if you have a real estate website, the more real estate related websites that point to you for some reason or link to you for some reason, the more of a trusted source um, Google finds your website to be. Um, the more trusted, the better you'll rank organically. But site speed is is. Um, in the last couple of years, it's become, I think, the most important signal. Yep. I think that's interesting because I think with, you know, more people searching on their phones, right? And you mentioned mobile speed is even more important because, you know, if people are not able to kind of pull up your website and get nope, the information nobody, fast. Nobody's going to wait four seconds for your website to right. load. They'll just go back and click the next link. Right. Absolutely. They'll just... They'll just, they'll just look for something else, right? There's, there's more than enough information out there today uh, to do that. And I guess that kind of transitions well into maybe kind of like the last thing I kind of wanted to get your take on, which is, you know, with this, and I'm sure everybody's heard of it, you know, or at least use the, you know, some type of tool uh, relating to this, but with all this artificial intelligence, right? This AI stuff out there, how are you guys using any of this? How are you guys kind of adjusting to this? You know, what are you seeing as far as AI and digital marketing? <laughs> we're, so we're, with the last few months, we've been doing bi-weekly meetings to everyone has to come with an idea on how they can use UI to like improve yeah. one of our processes or change one of our processes. But I think the the easy one for everyone 
to do is with ideation. So if you need, um, if like a blog strategy, for example, the hardest part is like coming up with the idea of what to, at least I have found, the hardest part is like coming up with the 10 ideas. Like, what are we going to write about over the next six months? So you can use a tool like um, Bard or Chat GPT to say like, you know, give, give me a list of topics that blah, blah, blah. So you can, it like, it takes a lot of time out of the ideation process. Also the rough draft, you can, you know, you can, you can ask, like, write me 500 words on the, you know, whatever the topic is. It's never something you want to publish on your website, but at least it starts you with this really rough draft. And sometimes it's organized in a way where um, it makes sense good opening paragraph, a few supporting paragraphs, and then a conclusion. Um, so it's a great place to start, like have, like you basically use a tool to generate ideas. And then you use a similar tool to like put pump out your first draft. Right. Absolutely. So these are all great ways to start using, you know, AI, like you said, like chat GPT to start, you know, to just get the juices flowing. Right. Cause I think a mm -hmm. lot of people do they're on the other end of the extreme where it's like, they just wanted to do all their content for them. They're like, I never have to write content ever again. I just press a button and it'll do it for me. I don't think we're at the, that point. Not, not quite yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Humans are still important. You have to, you have to have a good editor. Maybe, you know, maybe like the, the, the right, this, you'll always need good writers if you want to write good content, but in this, you know, when you can leverage AI like this, the editor skill set becomes more important. At least we're finding just in the last few months. Yep, absolutely. Well, Joe, I really appreciate you being here today. Uh, you know, you shared a lot of great, uh, you know, great feedback as far as, you know, what agents can be doing, what business owners can be doing as far as, you know, adjusting their business and getting their digital marketing game uh, leveled up as well. For anybody who is listening or watching this that want to, you know, reach out to you or, you know, want to work with your company and maybe get a social media uh audit, like you said, or just kind of learn more about what you guys do, what's the best way for them to reach out and kind of get more information? The contact us button on our website, movingtrafficmedia.com. Um, my email is just joe at movingtrafficmedia.com. Any lead that comes in through the contact form, I will see and usually respond to within a day. Okay, awesome. So we'll make sure to leave that in the description and the show notes down below. But uh, other than that, Joe, was there uh, any kind of last tips or kind of last pieces of, you know, value that you wanted to leave with us before I uh, let you sign off here today? No, I feel it was a good conversation. I appreciate, I appreciate the interest. Yeah, no, absolutely. I loved having you on. I want to thank you again. And I want to thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you guys on the next show. Take, Take care. care, Kobe.